Okay, tonight we have a special night. We're doing a testimony night uh, with Eric and Bria Johnson. This is a continuation of our What is the Gospel series. Usually if you've been with us for any um, amount of time, we've always ended a series with a testimony night that we get to learn about someone um, from our community, um, someone from our ministry, uh, or someone from our church, or someone who's connected to our church, and we get to see how their lives tie in with how um, and what we are teaching you. And so tonight we have Eric and Breen. If you don't know them, they used to be longtime members of Crosspoint. And then if you were here this morning, you saw the video, uh, the one-year anniversary video of Redeemer in uh, Manuk. So we sent them out as church planters, and Eric and Bree, they lead that church over in Manuk. And we are excited to have them here because you were looking at the first ever full-time youth pastor at Hype sitting next to the current youth pastor at Hype. So it's a treat for me to learn more about Eric, hopefully glean some wisdom from him and Bree, and um, apply that to not only my life, but hopefully you apply that to your life as well. So let's get to it. First question, what was your life like before you were saved, before the gospel had influenced your life, and before Jesus took hold of your soul. So I was a rule follower. Any rule followers in here? Like two? So you're all a bunch of rebels then. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, and not even afraid to say it. That's good. Um, I was a rule follower. I still am a rule follower. Um, and so part of that was I, I felt like I could... If I just followed the rules, if I just did what I was supposed to do, I was good with everything, right? And I could sort of stay under the radar, so to speak. Um, so I wasn't a big troublemaker. I wasn't a big, uh, I'm a middle child. I'm the only boy. I have a sister on either side. So I just kind of hid and, um, and, and sort of kept on the down low and I liked it that way because nobody really paid attention. Mm. And so I, I, could, I could hide my, the times when I didn't follow the rules, but come across as somebody who did all the time. So. My answer is going to be um, a little bit different because uh, I came to know Christ at the age of four. And I used to think that um, I had a boring testimony. You know, I didn't have some big thing where I rebelled and I, you know, did this, had this big sin or this big whatever in my life, and God rescued me from this. But over the years, I've come to realize that uh, that my story is not boring because God is not boring mm -hmm. at all, mm -hmm. and that uh, He truly did rescue me from myself and my own sin. And, um, yeah, so I was young when I came to know Christ. I was raised in a Christian home, which I'm truly very grateful for. And I know that's not everybody's story, and um, I'm grateful for it. But I know that God can use um, every situation. He will, it doesn't matter what age you come to Christ, he will um, use you and, um, and rescue you from your own sin. So we'll stay with Brie for answering the second question. Describe that moment. I mean, uh, it goes to both of you, but you specifically, Brie, as, as a four-year-old, 
What was that moment like? What led to that moment? What, what was that like for you, accepting Jesus as your Savior at four years old? And then we'll go to Eric okay. after that. Yeah, I don't really remember a whole lot about that specific moment um, as a four-year-old. I just know that my parents, um, just having gone to church and having conversations with them, I, I knew that I needed Jesus. But um, it wasn't until really my teen years when I really understood a lot more about what that meant. Um, I think at, growing up, it was... Um, it felt like my parents' faith and and their influence in, in me, which was good and positive, um, but I didn't really um, make it a personal relationship with Jesus until it was more in my teen years when I did have a, a season of rebellion where I just felt like I didn't need God. I wanted to fit in with the crowd, and um, I'm thankful that the Lord spared me from a lot of hurt, but um, I did have a period of time where I just kind of wanted to go my own way and was selfish in that, and I'm thankful that the Lord brought me back to him, and I was able to see uh, my need for him, and um, and that that was not a positive direction that I was going. Yeah. Cool. So I was in sixth grade when my folks got divorced, and then um, my mom moved away about a year later, and so um, during one of the more transformative times of my life we were going through this turmoil in our family and as a rule follower when my parents finally told us that they were getting divorced we never really saw them fight or anything like that um i began to wrestle with what did i do wrong mm. like i followed the rules i did i did what i was supposed to do um and as a 12 year old boy i thought i had done something to cause my parents to do that and I didn't, but I didn't know that at the time. It wasn't uh, anything that, that I had done. And yet I felt this, like, I can't, like, there's something going on here that um, I have no control over. And so um, it was around that time my older sister, she'd been going to a church. We lived in Pekin at the time, and she'd been going to a church. And they had this, um, this play called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. Uh, so... You know, it's a. Uh, it was an interesting play. <laughs> um, we we would go to we went to this play and and literally the whole premise of it is scenes where somebody gets told about Jesus and then they die and they either go to heaven or hell based on whether or not they believed in him. This was the whole play. So twelve year old kid like, um, you know, cheesy theatrics, mind you, but still like it it sort of. It really shook me up. And yeah. at the end of the play, pastor came up and, and told us the gospel. And um, the next thing I knew, like, I, I was responding to my, like, came to this understanding that I need Jesus mm. uh, to, to save me from me, right? So the gospel um, is good news. That's what the word means. But if there's good news, there has to be bad news, right? And we all know that bad news is all around us, right? Mm. I mean, COVID is bad news, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's kind of totally jacked up 2020 for you and for me. My parents' divorce was bad news. That felt like it was something that was done to me. But that's not the worst news. The worst news is when you come to understand that you need to be rescued, not from everything else around you, but from yourself. Because your own sin has separated you from God, and you are under the wrath of God 
who is holy and righteous and perfect and good. And understanding then that, that the bad news is that we're under God's wrath because of our sin. But the good news is the same God has made a way for us to be forgiven and given us his son to take the wrath in our place. The battery's going bad? Maybe. Uh, did it cut out here? Just in case. Okay. So um, at 12 years old, I knew at least enough to understand that I couldn't follow the rules enough to make God forgive me. God had to forgive me on his own. God had to give me his son in my place. God had to, to um, Jesus is actually the one that came and obeyed all the rules. Mm-hmm. He did it in my behalf. And then he died to pay the punishment that I owed God because I didn't obey the rules. You can be a rule follower in a lot of ways in life, but ultimately what matters is are you obedient to God? And every one of us has to, has to answer no. We have broken some, some law of God and, and deserve the wrath of God because of that. But God is a good God. And he has made a way for us to be forgiven and reconciled to him through his son, Jesus. And that is the gospel that I heard. I saw this crazy weird play where people were going to heaven and hell. But the whole idea behind it was the reality that I have to face that, that truth where I was at before God in that moment, I would not spend eternity in his loving presence. I would spend eternity in his wrathful presence forever and the, the, enduring the punishment if I didn't cry out to Jesus for forgiveness and for uh, rescue. So I would say looking back, at 12 years old, I didn't fully understand all that that implied, but I knew enough to know that I needed Jesus. Mm. And now looking back, I can see way, way more clearly to, to understand that the, the depths and the truths of what the gospel actually is and what God did to my heart. I was dead, and he made me alive in Christ. Mm. Thanks for sharing. It's encouragement to youth pastors that even cheesy plays can uh, help bring uh, kids to Christ. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, as a follow-up question, h- how has your life changed since um, allowing Jesus to come into your life after accepting the gospel? Um, ha- has there been a change? Have you noticed? What is evidence in your own life that um, you truly have this relationship with Jesus? Yeah. Um, I still try to follow the rules, sometimes under my own uh, effort. And I still fail miserably at that. But I know now that my relationship with God is not based on my ability to obey him. That doesn't mean I can disobey. That doesn't mean I can abuse the grace that God has given me through Christ. But it does mean that when I do fail, I don't have to hide from him. I can run to him over and over and over and over because my standing with God is forgiven always. And he has saved me from me back when, since I was 12. And so now I would say I'm growing and continuing to grow in this understanding um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Did I take yours? Am I taking yours? Okay. 
Second Corinthians chapter five, Paul says this in verse 14 and 15. He says, for the love of Christ compels us since we have reached this conclusion. If one died for all, then all died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. I, it's not enough for me to just ask Jesus into my life. Jesus has to take my whole life. Mm, mm-hmm. I no longer get to live for me. I've tried living for me. It's, it's, it's dead. There's no reward in that. The reward comes in living not for myself anymore, but for Christ. And so for us, that looks like right now, in the last three years, um, trusting God as he has called us to go move our family over to Menunk and plant a church and tell this same gospel to other people. Um, that doesn't mean that that is what everyone has to do when they come to Jesus. But what it does mean is that if you are in Christ, as the Bible puts it, if Christ is your Savior and your King, your life is no longer your own. That means that you don't get to live for you. That means that you don't get to do all the things you want to do. And, and the things you want to do won't be as good as what God has for you to do anyway. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it's discovering that more and more we are growing in the freedom of surrendering our lives more and more to Jesus and saying yes to whatever he calls us to do. And we always check it with his word because we can get some weird feelings about things that, that God is not really telling us to do. So we always need to check it with the truth of Scripture. And what Scripture tells us is to no longer live for ourselves, but for Christ, who actually gave us life. And as we continue to, to, to grow in this world, I think we're learning, and I'm sure that you can um, affirm this, but we're learning, especially with COVID, um, we're beginning to understand to greater and greater degrees, the temporary nature of all of this and what things are actually eternal and what things actually matter. And it's Jesus and it's the gospel and it's telling that to your neighbors and your siblings and your parents and your friends, your classmates. And by the way, your pastor, because we all need the gospel every single day. We don't graduate from it. Amen. At 12 years old, God converted my heart. He took my dead heart and he made it alive. And ever since then, the gospel has been the thing that's keeping it beating. So Christ is always, always, always our life from here on out. And we need to be reminded of that gospel every single day. Oh. How has the gospel changed my life? Yes. Um, Hope, I think I would say that. Hope is what his... um, yeah, there's so many things in this world that you can put your hope in. You can put your hope in your car to get you from A to B. You can put your hope in um, your parents or your church or your school or good education. Um, there's so many things that we try to put our hope in, but those ultimately all can and will fail mm. you. Um, mm. But Jesus Christ will never never fail you. His and Just over life and... Um, just the more I learn about God, um, I, I see that his word is true. His, uh, his word will never fail you, and that he really is the only thing that 
you can put your hope in that will that will last. Um, this is a passage that has been encouraging me lately, just because there is so much, um, so many things in this world right now that can be discouraging. Um, so this is from Second Corinthians four sixteen and eight sixteen mm. through eighteen. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction, so hard times, is preparing for us an eternal, lasting forever, weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Thanks. So uh, the follow-up question from that is more one kind of specific, more practical way um, that the gospel of Jesus Christ has influenced how you live your life. Like what is a very tangible, specific, practical way that we can um, see or that you've lived out of how the gospel has influenced your life? Um, so I, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for 10 years, but I'm still scared to share the gospel with people. Can you relate to that? If you're not raising your hand, you probably weren't in the five-minute bus ride thing. <laughs> yes, we were all terrified that night. It's a scary thing, right? But here's the thing I, that, that the Lord is helping re me remember. It's 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. It's his love that compels me toward others with the message of hope that I have received. If God has been gracious enough to forgive me, then surely he can be gracious enough to forgive anyone else. And scripture tells me that faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word of God, which means it's God's word, it's the gospel, as God tells us what the gospel is, that I need to be sharing with other people. If I truly love those people, my friends, my family, my you know, coworkers, classmates, whatever it is, then, and I truly love Christ, but even more so, if I truly understand how loved I am by Christ, I can't help then but to open my mouth and share this news with someone. Because ultimately, like Bree said, this all goes away. This is all temporary. One day we'll all stand before this Lord and we will see him face to face. And when we do, we will relive. We will, we will go through every account of our life. And as followers of Christ, even in those areas where we failed, we will look at those things together with Christ and see Christ's blood over those things and the forgiveness that we have in him. And we will be uh, we will rejoice together in the work that Jesus has done. Mm. But if I'm not in Christ, then when I stand before God on, on Judgment Day, I have to give an account for all of the things, all of the rules that I've broken, mm. all of the things that I have done that God has told me not to do, and all of the things that I haven't done that God has told me to do. Only I won't get to appeal to Christ then because it's too late. And so... The gospel for me now continues to compel me more and more and more to the point to where I cannot 
not share it with someone. Mm. That the fear, yes, what I love about the Bible is it never tells us to deny the reality that we are feeling and facing. I can be honest about being afraid to share the gospel with someone else, but I also need to be honest about who Jesus is. If I only look at that other person and I, and I take the fear of maybe they'll reject me, maybe they'll make fun of me, maybe they'll physically harm me or whatever, if I, if I, only, uh, if I let the fear of that rule whether I open my mouth or not, well, I'm, I'm essentially saying that that thing is Lord over Jesus mm. or that person is, has more weight in my life than Christ does. He saved me. He rescued me, and he's with me. He promises that, Matthew 28. So I have everything I need to do what, exactly what God has called me to do. When God tells me to do something, it's actually his power that supplies the ability to do that through his spirit and his word, and we do it together in his church. So for us, for me specifically, I would say in this last, these last three years of planting, uh, of, of going through the process to plant the church, and especially in the last year since we've started the church in Manunk, I've been more vocal with others about the gospel and about Jesus than I have in my entire life. Mm. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah. What's one specific um, practical way that the gospel has influenced your life on a day-to-day basis? For us as a family, we've recently uh, been just trying to break things down to the basics, and we've been asking each other and asking our kids, what's, your, what's our goal in life? Really, truly, what's our goal in life? And our goal in life is to please God. And if, if something doesn't align with that, then, then let's consider if that thing needs to be in our life or if that's important, an important thing to invest our time or our money or whatever into. Um, so for me, too, it's just been um, a good reminder to to check myself, like check my attitude. What's my goal in life? It's to please God. Am I pleasing God with my attitude today? Am I pleasing God with um, uh, serving my family? Um, am I pleasing God with how I treated that person at the store or whatever it may be? Uh, you know, was I kind to that person on the street or whatever it may be? Um, so... Uh, that's just been a good reminder for me to just really think about what what I'm doing. Am I pleasing God with with everything in me? Cool. Thanks for sharing. Uh, last question: um, What motivated you to plant a church? I mean, that's a huge undertaking. I would be terrified and uh, kicking and screaming the whole way along. Um, but what 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 was the driving force? If you can simplify it in a, in a few um, reasons behind planting a church in Manunk. <laughs> um, God told me to do it and I drug my family with me. <laughs> um, no. It goes back to 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. I, you can't be the same person you were when Jesus rescues you from you, you will change. That is the evidence of God's transforming grace and mercy in your life. You will not be the same person that you were. 
you will actually begin to obey that. The love of Christ will really compel you to no longer live for yourself. You'll feel the tension to fight against that and to do the easier thing, which feels like the easier thing, but it's really not the easier thing because it's the temporary thing. And so you start to look at those things that are actually eternal. And I would say um, Titus 2, 11 through 14, these are the foundational verses of Redeemer. Um, coupled there with, with the Second Corinthians, but says this, for the grace of God has appeared. How has the grace of God appeared? In the person of Jesus. Grace actually has a physical appearance. It's Christ. Bringing salvation for all people, making, making salvation available for all of us. Instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. That's right now. No longer living for ourselves, but for him who died and was raised. While we wait, again, recognizing the temporary nature of this, knowing that there's something coming. What is it? While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And here's verse 14. He gave himself for us to redeem us, to buy us, to purchase us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession. I'm no longer mine. I'm his. Eager to do good works. So then the questions really if you want to simplify it, becomes what are the good works that God has for me to do? Mm. I'm eager. I'm eager to serve my Lord because of all that he's done for me. I'm eager to serve my king because he's with me in those things. I'm eager to serve my savior because he's rescued me from me. And so then it's, the question is not should I, but, but what is it? To be eager to do those good works it's knowing that Christ has given me something to do for him, for his glory, pointing others toward Jesus, centered around the gospel so that more and more people can know who he is. And so for us, asking that question over time and prayer and, and seeking God's word together and, uh, and the, the counsel of others in the church, God made it clear that it was to go move and plant a church and share the gospel with people in the Fieldcrest School District. Do you have anything to add, Bree, or no? No? That's okay. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Appreciate yeah, sure. it. I'll take one. Set those there. Uh, if you've been with us previously for um, a testimony night, uh, and we know that we usually pray for our guests. We usually come up on the stage and, and lay a hand, but because of COVID reasons, we are not going to surround the Johnsons with all the youth here. So what we're going to do is we're going to um, put your hand out in solidarity and showing that, hey, we're going to maybe not physically touch you, but we're going to show that we want to, to affirm and pray for the Johnson family as we close tonight. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for Eric and Bree, and just one, thank you for saving them. Two, thank you uh, for bringing them together um, and for their beautiful family. God, thank you for um, just working in their lives, for changing them to uh, desire 
you more fully. God, thank you for the work that um, you're doing in them and that you've uh, put in front of them to do um, in Manunk and at Redeemer. God, I just thank you for their um, humility and willingness to listen to you, to follow you, to come here tonight, to talk to us, to share an example of what it looks like to follow after you. God, we thank you, we praise you, we love you, and we serve you. In Jesus' name, pray. Amen.